That's right, Texas has its own community-run Linux Fest on April 10th, 2010 in Austin, Texas. Go to TexasLinuxFest.org for details. And remember, get your Linux on. I'm Austin bound, get my eyes set on the price. Yes, that's right. On the 1st and 2nd of May this year, Liverpool is the only place to be for anyone interested in free software, free culture and free thinking. It's the second live OGCAMP event, organised by the Linux Outlaws and the Ubuntu UK podcast. The 1st and 2nd of May 2010 at the Blackie, Liverpool. Visit ogcamp.org for more details. Join us for the 2010 Southeast Linux Fest as we once again celebrate Linux and open source software in the GNU slash South. Due to the overwhelming response last year, this year's event will be bigger, better, and longer. Stealth 2010 will take place Friday, June 11th through Sunday, June 13th at the Spartanburg Marriott at Renaissance Park in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Be there for UbuCon, Fedora Activity Day, BSDA certification, Drupal Camp, multiple parties featuring Dual Core as well as the guys from Mystery Side Theater 3000 as Rift Tracks, and an even more expansive group of superb speakers, sponsors, and exhibitors. Self is free to attend, but hurry and register today to lock in the special discount room rate at the hotel. Register today at southeastlinuxfest.org. back everybody uh it's been two weeks and you know what that means it's time for linux in the ham shack uh, my name is richard kb5 jbv and uh, my partner in crime over in arkansas would be russ k5 tux say hello to everybody russ good evening everybody this is russ k5 tux back to you yeah see how he is you think you'd think he was on hf or something it's like back to you back to you oh well what the heck it's been an interesting week y'all i went out and got myself a, a new printer uh believe it or not it's linux compatible if we get time maybe i'll talk about it a little bit in the in a little while last week we changed up the format a little bit we're doing feedback and stuff like that at the, at the end of the show however we still are going to have these announcement announcements up front <laughs> 
However, we are going to have these announcements up front, so uh, let's go ahead and kick it off. Russ has been very busy this week. He's been doing all kinds of stuff. I didn't realize what he was doing or any of what he was doing until I got to checking the email today, which has been my first opportunity (laughs) in almost a week. So, Russ, go ahead and run down your list, and let's talk about it a little bit. Well, I don't have a list, but I'll I'll do my best. So what tipped you off in the email? What What's the thing that you noticed? Uh, new addresses for the website, BitTorrent uh, accessibility for the shows, just all kinds of stuff. Just great things happening. Well, some of them are great and some of them are necessary. We talked last week or the podcast before that about our problems with our current hosting provider and how the site kept going offline every so often, and people wouldn't be able to get to the content and all of that. So I took it upon myself to move that over to my own hosting right now, at least as far as the website is concerned. I have added a new domain for the podcast. So there's going to be a few things that change, and unfortunately one of those things that's going to change is the RSS feed. Now, I've been trying my hardest to get iTunes to update to the new address. And right now, I think it's still showing the BlackSparrowMedia.com address, which is going to stick around for a little while because of things like that. But ultimately, the new RSS feeds are going to have the new address of the website, which is LHSPodcast.info. Now, we've also been promoting the the address lhsinfo.org, which Richard has had trouble remembering for the longest time, and he keeps wanting to say lhspodcast.info, so I figured I'd go ahead and get that one. And I'm converting all of the Linux in the Hamshack stuff over to LHS... In, or, okay, now I'm going to screw up. LHS... You can't remember it either. You got the one that's too complicated. <laughs> yep. Well, I was trying to mimic the rfpodcast.info. I kind of wanted to make them the same. So anyway, all of the stuff is now at lhspodcast.info. And if you go to the website at any of the other addresses, like lhsinfo.org or blacksparrowmedia.com stroke lhs, they will forward you on to the correct site. And once you get there, you'll still see everything looks just like it used to look. And on the left-hand side, there are the RSS feed buttons, and those have the updated feed addresses in them. And like I said, if you happen to be getting your feed from iTunes, I'm trying to get that updated. If and when that happens, your feed will update automatically. So you, so you iTunes people should be safe. Everybody else needs to update their RSS feeds. And I'm going to put what those feeds are on the website in a post but you can get the new URLs just by clicking on the AUG and the MP3 buttons on the left-hand side. And at some point, the BlackSparrowMedia.com stroke LHS stuff is going to go away. So everybody who listens to the podcast needs to update their podcatcher. That goes for everybody. You and you and you and you too. You all know who you are. I hope everybody will make sure to do that so we don't lose any listeners. Well, just to recap everything for everybody, um, we've been having some trouble with our uh, our provider. We are going to be moving the stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff's going to be changing. We're going to try and keep everybody up to speed on it. Y'all make sure you check out the Linux and Hamshack website. 
Um, the Black Sparrow Media email addresses will be changing. Resident frequency is going on hiatus. I still need to get a, a, an announcement into the feed for that. Uh, but, yes, we are uh, definitely moving things around and trying to get away from these guys. You know, uh, they, they they promised us one thing, and uh, two years in, they decided that uh, something else was going to be what, what was working for them. So, uh, y'all just uh, make sure you check out the website, and that way you can keep up with what's going on. At the very least, we'll keep it posted over there. All right, so... Uh, we, we we had a big change on where the website is, and we're trying to get that up, updated. What else you got, Russ? Well, with the website change, that allowed me to set up an email alias so that you can ali- or you can email both of us with one address, and that address is info at lhspodcast.info. Sounds a little redundant, but if you send an email to that address, it will go to both of us. And that is kept on my side and is forwarded to whatever email addresses we are currently using, so it will always be valid for Linux in the Hamshack, no matter what provider Richard and or I use now and in the future. Ooh, that makes me very happy because I miss out on a lot of emails. Of course, you miss out on emails, too. Yeah, I do, but that should be over with now because I'm not even using the BlackSparrowMedia.com address anymore. I'm just forwarding it to one of my other addresses. Well, there you go. Now, all there that all go. that BlackSparrowMedia.com stuff still works right now. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I forgot to tell y'all. Uh, we'll probably be back. Over, we'll be over there for about an, another month. But uh, like I said, y'all y'all stay in touch and informed. Uh, by checking out the website, and we'll keep y'all posted on what's going on with uh, this transition. What else we got going on? Well, there's a couple other things I want to mention. First of all is that right now the RSS feed is broken, and broken pretty badly. The last four episodes that we've done, that's from 31 to the current one, are in the feed. So everything should be fine for that. If you're looking for an older episode from the feed... They're not currently there. I'm working on it. Uh, because I had to redo everything for this transition, all this stuff got lost. So that doesn't mean the episodes are lost. They're, they're all there, but the, they don't show up in the feed right now. Everybody should be good unless they're trying to get the old episodes. So don't worry about that. It'll fix itself eventually. Okay, so if y'all can't find an old episode y'all are looking for, don't be mad at Russ. He's doing the best he can. If you got to be mad at somebody, be mad at Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hate mail to Bill goes to hate mail at LHS. Bill dot L- <laughs> I think we should set that address up. I didn't even think about it. Hate mail dot Bill dot LHS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds oh, okay. So we got broken RSS feeds and we got hidden websites. What else is going on, Russ? Oh, there's more and more stuff. Um, one of the the last thing I think I have on my list to talk about is the BitTorrent stuff, and for those of you who know what BitTorrent is, I am experimenting with getting the podcasts out so they are available via BitTorrent. Um, one of the reasons for this is you can download stuff from BitTorrent very very fast, as opposed to downloading it from our provider, which only gives us a certain amount of bandwidth. The other thing is, once I get these torrents set up, I'll also be able to include the entire catalog of 
all of our episodes in one BitTorrent download. So everybody will be able to download everything they want in one file, or they'll be able to get the episodes individually. Uh, this will be done inside or outside of RSS, I'm not sure yet, but if you're into BitTorrent and you want to get episode number 34 that way, I will be posting the torrent URLs on the website. So that, that's, I think, the last thing I need to update people on. Uh, I can't think of anything else. I've been busy, and there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but I think I've got everything to the point where it looks like it's transparent to the average web surfer. Well, there you go. So now, it, y'all gotta love it because we always give y'all some kind of action. It's an action packed kind of thing around, around Linux and the ham shack. I mean, come on, mystery websites, broke, broke RSS feeds and flooding from torrents. Who could ask for more? Who could ask for more? Quite honestly, though, y'all, we appreciate y'all's patience and your patience over the next month or so while we go ahead and uh, take care of these things, try and get them squared away. So that uh, we can, this show is really growing, and that's one of the reasons we're having to find another provider because uh, they just they don't want to accommodate what we need from them. Uh, considering this is a uh, not for profit program, <laughs> any donations we do receive, any anything that surrounds this, we put it all back in the show to try and make it grow, and. Uh, the, our listeners are probably some of the best. We got the best from both sides, the Linux community and the ham radio community, even as asthma. Uh, <laughs> let me go ahead and throw this in there. On uh, weekend, April 10th in Austin, Texas, is Texas Linux Fest. Uh, they'll be having it. Uh, oh, doggone it. I will have to get the information get it put up somewhere where y'all can find it or listen to the promo at the beginning of the show uh we should have this episode out by then down in austin texas i'm gonna do my very very best to be there unless something breaks loose and i'm not able to make it make it uh, bill says check the show notes because he's dredging it up right now so uh y'all going down to austin walk around you liable to see me there it's a it's a double booking day for me because not only is there Texas Linux Fest in Austin, Texas, I've got to go to my stepson's housewarming party in uh, Heartland, Texas, which is right up here close. So it, it's going to be a busy, busy time. We're going to be at the Dayton Hamvention. Dayton Hamvention, May 14th through the 16th. We will be in Booth North Hall, 0265. Look for us there. And I will be, and uh, Richard may be, at the Southeast Linux Fest, June 11th through the 13th, in sunny, beautiful Spartanburg, South Carolina. So we'll be there, too. Come on down, see us at both places, and we hope to see everybody who can make it. If you're thinking about making it, make it. We'll be there. And make sure you walk up and shake Dave Yates' hand and tell him that he is the most fantastic Linux podcaster on the planet. Oh man, I wanted I wanted Az to hear that and he just left. Uh walk up, shake Dave Yates' hand, ask him uh, what actual science there is to food other than stick it in your mouth and chew it. But y- y'all go down to uh self. Southeast Linux Fest, uh, on whatever day it is, I'm sure, well, we had a promo on the last show. Y'all check out the promo at the beginning of this show. 
What else, Ruth? Well, I'm sure everybody did, because if they got this far, they heard the beginning. Anyway, that's about it. So I'm going to wrap this up, unless you've got anything else. I got one more thing. I received some information a few days ago that uh, uh, Peter and Paul, who run uh, hamtest.org or hamtest.net, and they also run hamtest.co.uk, are consolidating their websites. And from now on, to use their site, you're going to need to go to hamtest.co.uk. They are apparently having a problem with a provider or something else, too. And uh, they're going to go ahead and just consolidate it to one website, which makes sense to me. They will have the the same training, the same question pools that they've had on both the sites. They're just bringing it all together so you don't have to go running around looking for it. When you get a chance, tell them guys that you got the word and you heard it here and tell them to keep, tell them to do something where they can stay up late enough to come back and be here for the show. And in an effort to make sure that the podcast runs way over an hour, Azimuth, KB7CFD, wanted us to mention the Idaho State Ham Convention, which will be held April 23rd through the 25th. And you can find out more information about that at IdahoStateConvention.org. Spudland. No, Spudland's Maine. That's where I'm from. No, that's Lobster Land. And Spudland. Do they have lobster tacos up there? No, they have lobster rolls, which are much better. Mm, Lobster roll. Okay, crustacean porno. Here we go again. Once again, yes, we are going to have to be moving stuff. Resonant frequency is is going on hiatus. We will uh, keep you all updated on that. We've got lots and lots of stuff. And... So we can make the show a little shorter because we've had some complaints about it bulging. We, we may just go ahead and take ourselves a break. But when we come back, we will be talking to Stormy Peters from uh, the Gnome Found- Gun Gnome Foundation tonight, and uh, Russ is going to going to see can he uh, get her uh, melodious voice on the air with us. So y'all hang around a few minutes, and we'll be right back.
promised you before we left for the break uh tonight we have uh stormy peters from the gnome project and uh, she's going to talk with us about all things gnomish or gnomish or amish or something anyway she's going to talk with us for a while and since russ went ahead and and uh took the initiative and booked this nice lady i'm gonna have him start off because i always like to catch him when he ain't ready so take it away russ you think I'm not ready, but I am ready. In fact, I have notes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, Damn. well. Should I, should I be scared at this point? That, that I have notes? Um, probably not. I think I'm going to stay in fairly well inside your comfort zone. Be very afraid. <laughs> you can be afraid of Richard. We allow that. That's because I'm so pretty. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Anyway, um, we want to welcome Stormy Peters, who is the Executive Director of the Gnome Foundation. Thank you very much for being with us this evening on Linux in the Ham Shack. Well, thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you're looking forward to it now. Hopefully that won't change between here and the end. Um, <laughs> it could. It could, yeah. You never know. Like I said, I think I'm going to try and stay uh, inside the comfort zone, uh, but you never know. Things Things go weird sometimes. 
but the first thing I have uh, as a note here to ask you is that since you are the executive director of the Gnome Foundation, we might as well start at the beginning and find out, A, about the Gnome Foundation, and B, where you know where and when you found your found your way into it, and C, what uh, you do as the executive director thereof. All right. So I'll start with the first one. Um, what the Gnome Foundation is? We're a nonprofit organization, the five hundred one three C, that exists to support the Gnome Project. Um, so our membership is actually anyone who's made a contribution to Gnome. Um, they renew every two years. Um, they elect a board of directors, and the board of directors runs it and makes sure that it takes care of any issues like fundraising, legal stuff like copyrights, um, any any issues that typically wouldn't that, that that might not be done by developers that need to be done to support GNOME. Well, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, how did you find your way into the GNOME Foundation, other than simply being interested in the in the project? Yes, I feel like I came full circle. Um, so my introduction to open source and the GNOME um, was a while, it's been a while, at least 10 years ago um, when I was at HP managing the desktop team. And I was trying to move us from CDE, that old Unix desktop, to GNOME. And I met the GNOME folks. And then I went on and did other things, you know, started HP's open source program office, went to a startup called OpenLogic. Um, and then got approached by the Gun Foundation that was looking for an executive director. So I feel like I kind of came home to my roots, the people that introduced me to open source. All right. And so now we've come to your executive directorship, and what exactly is that? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder that myself, um, but I do anything that it takes to, to keep GNOME running. Um, so I do things like act as eyes and ears. So if someone wants to contact GNOME, they know to reach out to me. Um, I do things like fundraising. Um, I work with our partners, any, all our downstream partners, anyone that uses GNOME, help raise funds to support events. Um, I do housekeeping, just make sure things keep moving, um, do some marketing, although we're growing our, our GNOME marketing team. Um, so a little bit of everything just to keep the, to keep the GNOME Foundation going in support of the GNOME project. So they give you a fancy title for Jack of All Trades. That seems to be uh, going around these days. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's fun. I get I, my favorite part of my job is that I get to work with a couple thousand people who are doing something because they believe in it. Well, that's always nice. I assume they get paid for it too. Um, about forty percent of our contributors get paid, and the other sixty percent are volunteers, so they're doing it in the evenings or in the weekends. All right. Well, that's good. And uh, there was a question here in the chat room that was asking if. The G in GNOME is silent, and I think from the way we're all pronouncing it, it's not. It's not silent. That's probably the most common question I get. It's GNOME, like GNU, like the GNU project. Right, and I always assume that was exactly the reason for it, and that's why I say it that way, but you'll hear it. I'm sure you've heard it more than two ways, probably. <laughs> and as like, long as they're using GNOME, I don't care how they say it. Okay. Like Gnat, Gnat, and Gnunkle. And Gnip Gnop, which is a great game from the early 80s. But officially, it is GNOME. Yes. Okay. Officially, it's GNOME. Excellent. So we have that official position. I'll put that in a soundbite somewhere. And uh, for those of you in the chat room who are asking, you now have the answer. Oh, that's just as he, he, he them old crank, them old cranks. They all like causing trouble and stuff. He'll be all right. You just don't be afraid of him, Stormy. That's Az from over at the cranks. He's in his own private Idaho, so we don't, you know, we don't worry about him, and he doesn't worry about anybody. <laughs> okay, so uh, my second thing that I have on my list here to talk about is the 
the or not the foundation's philosophy necessarily, but the found or the philosophy of GNOME itself, the GNOME project, and the idea of uh, open source desktops. And I figured you might want to exposit somewhat on that. So, so the GNOME project's mission is to provide a free desktop um, for everyone, and I'd say it's probably more than just a free desktop at this point. It's a free, free software interface, whether it be your mobile phone or, or your desktop, on actually sitting on your table. Um, but it's a, it's a, a free desktop accessible to everyone, um, regardless of what language you speak. We have GNOME translated into you know more languages than most other most other desktops. It's a, a free desktop accessible to you regardless of your disabilities, free desktop available to you regardless of your financial abilities. So the goal of the project is to make sure that everybody can use technology and has ex- access to, to a desktop. Is GNOME currently being used on something other than uh, typical PC architecture? Yeah, it's, it's used on a lot of netbooks, and it's used in some mobile phones, and it's used on tablets. So the projects like Migo and formerly Mimo and Moblin, um, it's used on phones that are produced by um, companies from the Limo Foundation, like the Samsung phone. Um, so it's, it's used in, in a number of different devices, from mobile phones to tablets to netbooks to desktops. It's also used in some devices you probably wouldn't traditionally think of. Um, so you can find GNOME technology in some um, GPS devices. You can find it in some breast cancer scanners, um, like the ones made by um, Supersonic Imagine. Um, so it's, it's found in places you probably wouldn't necessarily think about it. Well, that's interesting. I wasn't even aware of that. Um, is that is that something where people are taking the fundamentals of the GTK and building, you know, not necessarily proprietary, but alternative environments that aren't necessarily what someone might think of as GNOME when they look at a desktop on a PC, or is it really GNOME as someone would be familiar with it? Um, It's probably more the former. So, like in the case of the breast cancer scanner, you're definitely not looking at something that looks like GNOME. Um, They're using GTK to create their own user interface. as you get more towards the tablets and the netbooks, it looks a lot more like the GNOME you're used to, but most of them have customized it to some extent. And, and we like that. Um, our, our goal is to have you know, free desktops available to everybody, and if that takes different forms for different users and different use cases, that's great. Okay, most of our listeners are what I would consider non-technical, so if, if someone was interested in getting involved with using the GNOME toolkit for some kind of desktop application, Development or desktop environment development. Um, what what how steep a curve do you see is getting into it? Uh, I would assume this is somebody who has an inclination and some background in programming, not just a complete programming newbie. Yeah, so if it's, if it's somebody who's a programmer and they're used to the Unix type Linux environment, um, it, it's not too steep a learning curve. And we're actually working right now to improve our developer documentation. And, approve, and to improve our cross-platform accessibility. So right now you can use like GTK on Windows, um, but we don't give you a lot of help in figuring it out. So we're working on fixing that and working on flushing, you know, working on expanding our documentation um, altogether to get new developers up and going, both on desktop applications and, and on mobile phone applications or mobile applications. 
Well, I know that Russ gets tired of hearing about this one particular application, but uh, uh, part of part of this show is also amateur radio, and there's one application out there called uh, D-Rats, which is written by a, ge- a gentleman for uh, doing digital communications over some of the uh, new uh, digital radios and stuff. And uh, Dan programs in Python, but all his interfaces are GNOME or uh, GTK, and uh, he writes it for both uh, both Linux. Uh, no, wait a minute, Linux OS ten and uh, Windows, and I'm telling you, it looks almost as good on the Windows on Windows as it does on uh, the GNOME desktop. Uh, I'm a GNOME fan. I've, I've flirted with KDE, and I run uh, OpenBox on one machine I've got that. Uh, uh, it's really, really slow, but if I have my preference, I, I've got GNOME on my desktop. I'm glad to hear it, and that, that's great that someone has a, a radio application. I'm, I'm sure I don't understand all it does, but it's great that they have it working both on GNOME and Windows. I'm glad to hear that, well, using open-source tools. Yeah, a lot of, there are more than a few open-source tools for the amateur radio community. That's originally what this podcast started out being as, and we've kind of uh, broaden our horizons a little bit, but we definitely talk about things like that. And things like the Python GTK uh, integration are nice, and I know that GTK is incorporated with uh, lots of different programming languages, and uh, it, it's nice that, to have that common open interface, uh, particularly because, uh, like Richard and I, and a lot of the a lot of the things we tout are GNOME-based because we're both uh, pretty hardcore GNOME users, and I know you didn't necessarily want to compare GNOME to KDE and other desktop environments, but what do you see as unique or individual about GNOME as opposed to Enlightenment or KDE or those other things? I mean, what's what's the focus of GNOME in that in that sense from a user usability standpoint? Yeah, so, so it's, it's, just to start out, it's not that I didn't want to compare them. Um, I just want to make sure we don't waste energies like having a battle between the free desktops. Um, when we all have a single. So I, I just want to make sure that we're focusing our energies on, on working together where possible as opposed to having any kind of, you know, pretend war. Um, so so I, we, we work with KDE all the time. We had our, we held our conferences together last year. We're going to do it again next year. So that, that, that was kind of my opposition to, to comparing. Um, as, as far as we are different, and, and I think it's good that we have two alternative free desktops, um, and one of the things that most strikes me, most struck me about GNOME, especially when I came back to the GNOME community um, from being away for a while, and I went my my very first day on the job was Guadic in Istanbul. Um, so it was quite the introduction with like you know 500 people trying to meet me the first day. But what struck me the most was how people talked about how it was beautiful, and there was such a focus on on what it. How, not not so much what it looked like, but I'm making sure that the solution was elegant, and that not only did it look good, but it, it worked well, and, and that the the code behind the scenes um, was done elegantly, and that the whole thing was beautiful. And and that really struck me because I heard the word beauty and beautiful like more times in a week than I'd heard in the previous month. Well, I I like uh, I would I would call GNOME elegant in, in its way. I mean, I, I like the way it looks very much. And uh, I've been out of things like KDE and other desktop environments, except for I think OpenBox and whatever Crunchbang uses, and um, one or two yeah. others in the recent past. Um, so, so I, I can't really compare it to like KDE 4.2 and and whatever is you know going out now. But 
when I first switched over to GNOME several years ago, um, I just loved the way it worked. And it, even though it had some problems, uh, particularly with being able to edit menus and stuff like that, things that have long since been fixed, uh, I've been a big fan. I know Richard has too. That that true. I'm talking yeah, to you, Richard. Yeah, come on, oh, come on, wake up. Know, yeah. hey, I'm sorry, I was I was looking at this pretty gnome desktop. <laughs> he was uh, mesmerized. Yeah, and actually, tell you the truth, I I try not to waste the uh, the uh, memory and stuff on on my video card doing it, but I tell you what, I love it when I when I do turn the compass on for a couple of days. Oh, it is just absolutely beautiful, and it's come a long way. Uh, I started out um, on Debian for the most part. I mean, I ran some distribution before that, but the first one I really stuck with was Debian, and that's what it came with out of the box, and it's just gotten better and better, and it looks slicker. I mean, it. there's been so much improvement along the way, and Russ is right. There were some things when I first started with it that just didn't quite work right, but... Those bugs have been, uh, worked out and, uh, I, it's what I use every day. I've got three different machines running, uh, gonna, uh, running Ubuntu with GNOME here in the, uh, here in the radio room at this time. I've got a couple that are on that other operating system that we try not to uh, publicize on this show, but only because there's a couple of things that I have to have it to, uh, run on. Otherwise, uh, I prefer looking at this GNOME desktop. I really do. Take it away, Russ. <laughs> Take it away, me. Okay, so back to me. Okay, well, now that now that we've uh, effused all of our love and adoration for the GNOME desktop, let's uh, get a little on the other side. <laughs> Not too long ago, I heard some criticism about the GNOME desktop and the that it's sort of taking the opposite view of KDE, in which KDE is a lot, wants the user to be able to tweak every possible configuration option there is while gnome is trending towards a desktop consisting of a single button that says do what i want and you click it and it does what you want i'm not sure how you want to address that but if you could address the the idea of where gnome is headed as far as configurability uh that might be interesting yeah so so the gnome philosophy is more like make sure that the default option works really well and then let the more advanced or more persistent user modify it to be whatever they want it to be. Um, so it's definitely not to cut out. It's, it's definitely still to enable people to, to make it look like whatever they want, but to make the default option so good that someone encountering GNOME, you know, encountering a free desktop for the first time has a very positive experience and, and doesn't get slammed with, you know, 100 choices before they even know what's going on. Okay, well, that's actually interesting because that brings me to a question that was asked uh, earlier when I was asking for people to ask me questions to ask you. And this is about the issue that's come up lately with the um, Lucid Links version of Ubuntu and the changes that are being made to the GNOME, the default GNOME interface. There has been a big outcry about something as simple as the window control buttons. Being a, in the GNOME Foundation, you probably have heard of this. At least I hope so. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what do you think about that? I mean, the you know the idea of uh, and and you're right as far as the default options being perfect for the average user because I find very little that I need to change when I start up a GNOME desktop. 
and usually it has something more to do with the defaults that are provided by the uh, operating system or the uh, distribution vendor than GNOME itself. You know, it's their their own tweaks that I like to manipulate in different ways. But as far as uh, making arbitrary changes to a desktop that make things completely different to the average user, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so my, my first comment is they're definitely not arbitrary changes. Um, so when we make changes, they're they're people think about them for a long time. They're discussed to the point where you wish people would just move on. Um, so, so the changes are, are never just arbitrary and random or decided overnight. Um, they're usually well discussed, and there's a lot of input, and people have tons of opinions. Because anytime you change someone's user interface, um, people aren't happy. I mean, you're not happy if you wake up in the morning and your furniture is rearranged, even if it's, like, perfect. I mean, someone came and moved your furniture. <laughs> um, so anytime we make changes, we realize that, that people are likely to not be immediately happy. Um, so we think them out very thoroughly before we do them. Um, that said, there's a, a number of different people that can make changes um, for an end user. So, so GNOME's upstream project um, we make GNOME, we set the defaults, you know, we think hard about them, we recommend them, um, but in the end, it's usually the Linux distributions or, you know, OpenSolaris or whoever is giving you um, your distribution, your operating system that decides what it's going to look like. And especially with the, with kind of the, the new, I, I need a word for them, but like the, the new operating systems or the new interfaces like Migo or even like Ubuntu's netbook interface. I mean, they're making a, a lot of decisions for the end user that aren't necessarily being made by the GNOME upstream product. Right. So your concept or your thought is that GNOME is a is a, an entity unto itself that is configurable to a point, and you let the yeah the people who push it out to the end user decide how it's going to look, which in one way is a good idea because that allows you to have a basis that you don't have to change very much unless you want to make fundamental choices about how it looks. But if somebody wants to develop a product that looks differently on a PC as opposed to a netbook or an even smaller screen device, then they can do with it what they want using the toolkits that you provide. Right, and they're closer to their users than, than we are. We have recently tried to get everyone together. Um, so we had our first usability hack fest already last month, last month, um, where we got a number of the distributions, a number of the individual developers, and we got them all together in a room, and we talked about usability studies, how they happen, how we can get that feedback to open source software projects, how they get upstream, and we really talked a lot about GNOME 3 and how we make usability decisions and, and how we'll end up with the best user experience um, for users and, and how the upstream project can work with all those downstream projects that end up making decisions for their users. So I, I think it was a really positive step forward, and a lot of good work came out of that. I'll let you say something, Richard, if you're interested. And if anybody has a question for Stormy in the uh, chat room, go ahead and post them, and we'll get them up there. We have some of the cranks that hang out in our in our uh, chat room while we're recording the show, and they ask really good questions from time to time. Uh, Peter64 was asking a while ago, um, 
or uh, stating that uh, he hasn't really been a fan of GNOME in the past, but he's uh, been playing with the GNOME 3. He says the new UI looks nice, and uh, he thinks it's going to bring uh, bring the desktop into the 21st century, in his opinion. For those of us who really haven't had an opportunity to look at that yet, is there anything that you could... Uh, Anything that you might be able to share with us on this uh, GNOME 3 desktop? Yeah, I highly recommend that, that you go try GNOME 3. Um, I'm really proud of it because I feel like to a certain extent up until now, um, we've tried to do just as good as some of the other operating systems. So, you know, we, we've tried to, to compete and be something familiar to end users. Whereas with GNOME 3, we're really taking the next step and thinking about what do users really need and what do users want, you know, not not trying to give them something that they're already used to that doesn't always work well. Um, and, and with GNOME 3, the, the major changes you'll see is GNOME Shell. Um, so it's really a different way of interacting with your applications and your desktop. The idea is to show you the things that you use the most and to use search to find things as opposed to trying to remember um, where things were stored. Um, so, so everyone's had the experience where they've gotten so many files and so many folders um, you know, that, that it takes you a long time to file things or put things away and then it takes you a while to find them. Or you go to use your friend's computer and help them out and you discover that they have like a thousand icons on the desktop and <laughs> you can't find anything. So, so the idea behind GNOME Shell and some of the other new additions to GNOME 3 like Zeitgeist um, is, is really to help you um, find what you've been most recently working on and, and help you find things in the context of, of search and context and what you've been working on as opposed to making the end user figure out their whole file system and, and store things and then go back and find them. Well, there you go. Uh, Peter was also asking uh, if it was going to make the uh, September release date. Uh, he was mentioning something here about it was supposed to be released in March or uh, or something like that. It will make the September release date. Actually, um, it was never at the beginning, so at the beginning, a couple years ago, it was going to be... 2010, and then it was going to be either September. Um, so we decided last year, towards the end of last year, that it would be September. Um, so it's definitely September. And we well, didn't release the March release like yesterday, so it didn't go out then. <laughs> well, Peter comes over here and makes me be the bad guy. He said, yeah, watch me put Richard on the spot. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, well, Russ, uh, we're, we're getting pretty close to a break here. Um, uh, Miss Stormy, do you think you could hang in there with us if we went to a break for a minute? Sure. Russ, you, you got anything before we go? No, I just got a couple more things. We can wrap this up after the music. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, spin that disc, buddy. Don't conform 
Peters, my my new co-host. I done fired Russ. He's he's out the door. Bill better watch out because if he stays in a bad mood, he's going to end up getting his pay cut in half. No, I'm just joking, y'all. But Miss Storm is still here with us. We're talking we're talking about gnome and all things gnomish, and uh, uh, I think I'll put Russ back on it. Go get it, Russ. Hell, oh, you fired me. I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> I can't fire you. Yeah, it's your show. <laughs> All right. Well, I only have a couple more things that I have on my list of things to talk about. Uh, the first one is a simple question, I hope. Um, I was asked by, and I can't remember who, but it was in an IRC chat, about the the concept that Gnome 3 may be coming out with something that looks like the dock in Aqua, Mac OS X. Uh, is that true? And if so, uh, why? So I'm. I, I have to admit that I'm. I'm woefully uninformed about what the Mac environment looks like. Um, but there will be some changes with GNOME three, um, where you won't have to. And I'm just assuming this is what Doc does. But uh, <laughs> where you won't have to switch context to see what's happening. So if if you get a new email or you get a new IM or something updates there'll be an area that shows you what happens and at one point you'll even be able to like answer the email quickly there without switching to your email application. Um, so there will be this concept of updates showing in, in one spot and letting you kind of know what's on your desktop without you having to context switch. That sounds actually very interesting and very cool. I kind of like the idea that everything is sort of, as long as it doesn't actually switch focus, which is a problem I've had with Windows over time where you're in the middle of doing something and another window pops up and actually comes over the top of what you're doing. It's, it's that you're not talking about that, right? No, that, that's the whole goal to try to avoid that. Cause right now is if you get a new email, you have to go switch to your email application to see it. And you know, not only is your computer context switching, but your brain is context switching. So we want to keep what you're doing active. Okay. Now the idea of the, the dock in Aqua is something like a taskbar or not a taskbar. It's, it's like a panel. It's like a GNOME panel. But it is more customizable, I guess, and it's more obnoxious than a typical GNOME panel. It actually has, like, 3D effects and things like that and can be expanded and contracted and you do goofy things like that. But it, but in most ways, it's a GNOME panel uh, just with additional features. It's like GNOME meets Compiz meets, you know, your next-door neighbor with a leaf blower. Someone asked if that kind of thing was going to be in there well, we definitely won't have anything annoying to anyone. 
absolutely not. <laughs> but we, we do, will show, you will be able to see, I, I think we'll have something like that if I understand right. You'll be able to see all your windows, and then you'll be able to kind of rotate between them, kind of spin them around and pick which one you want to switch to. Uh, inside, a, inside a panel? I, I guess you would call it that. I'm not the best person to describe user interfaces, but... I, I, I'm moving the hands. Can't you see them moving around showing you? <laughs> oh, exactly. I, I I see it now. It's all become clear. Yeah. <laughs> next, time, next time Stormy comes on, we got to get her on the camera so we can get her get her up here where everybody can see her. Yeah. That was my fault for asking a retarded question. So I'm going to go find out who asked me to ask that question and, and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone's welcome to send me a question, and I will find the expert to answer for them. Well, I tell you what, I'm starting to get kind of excited about this GNOME 3. I'm gonna have to go go find out about it because uh, uh, Peter's in there asking questions, and and uh, you're talking about things that sound sound truly interesting. And for somebody who really likes it as much as I do, uh, this, this may de- definitely uh, be something I would be interested in. Uh, but speaking of Peter, he asked a question a while ago uh, uh, about uh, when he was asking about the uh, ship date. Uh, he said that he uh, thought it was supposed to be inclu- inclu- or the included. I'm sorry, included in Ubuntu uh, 10.04, and uh, we talked about that during the break. And you, you told me that it was already available, and uh, I may go end up going and um, and getting a hold of it tonight so I can take a look at it. But uh, uh, when is it supposed to become the? Uh, uh, do you do you know it, when it is supposed to become uh, the default for uh, for some of these Debian distributions? We're we're Debian heavy around here. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can already use it and try it out. Um, like in Ubuntu, you can you can get GNOME Shell and and you can use it as your primary interface and and you can play with it and check it out. Um, as for when it will become the default. Um, that really depends on the distributions, and, and right. so I'm, I'm pretty sure it won't become the default until after we release in September. I, I can almost guarantee that. Um, but I don't. I mean, we're hoping that all the distributions decide to make it the default on their very next release after September, but that's not really under our control. Well, you know, I did that whole dancing around thing because I didn't want to ask you the exact same question again, even though we said we were going to. <laughs> <laughs> what other questions you got, Russ? Well, I had uh, I had another topic that we're not going to get into because it'll go it'll bring us way long. But I did have uh, we're we're getting to the end of the where we normally do pimp in the podcast. But since we're not pimping a podcast, we'll we'll do this bit for those people who are interested in like maybe donating time or code or whatever to the Gnome Foundation and or the Gnome Project. How can people get involved if they are interested? Yeah, so we would love to have people involved, no matter with their skill set. Um, if they're interested in helping out, we've got something that would be perfect for them. Um, so people can get involved writing code. Um, there's lots and lots of different parts of GNOME um, from, you know, kind of, you know, core level stuff all the way up to, you know, applications that run on GNOME. Um, there's mobile work to be done. If they're not so much coders, but they want to help with documentation or translation, that'd be great. Um, if they're marketing people, we would absolutely love to have them on the marketing team. And the next marketing hack fest is in Spain, so it'd be fun. Um, we're looking for people with marketing background to help us figure out how to market a free software project. Um, if they'd like to help out at events, um, manning the booth. Um, and then we get a lot of people that, that donate money through our friends of GNOME. Um, 
program, um, gnome.org slash friends, um, that say they don't have time or they don't have skills, but they use Gnome and they just want to make a contribution. And we love those contributions as well. We've almost met our fundraising goal to hire sysadmin, so we're pretty excited about that. Sounds great. One more question popped into my mind just a second ago. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot. Uh, we'd like to thank you all for joining us for this episode of Pimping the Desktop. All right, there was one more question that I, I was that popped into my head. In about two weeks, we're having a uh, Linux Fest down in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm not heavily involved in it. I plan on going down there. Uh, do you happen to know offhand if possibly Gnome is going to be down there? We will have a booth there. And if anyone would like to help show off GNOME and talk about it, we're looking, still looking for volunteers to help staff it. Um, I mean, we have people staffing it, um, but they could always use some help. So we will be there. Please come check it out. Come talk to the people at the booth. Check out GNOME Show and the rest of GNOME 3 yourself. Well, there you go. Everybody, everybody, all you, all my people here in Texas, y'all listen now. All my people here in Texas, and even y'all up here in DFW and over in Houston, y'all ain't too far away. Y'all go down there and help help uh, the Gnome booth out down there in Austin on, uh, what is it, April 10th. April 10th, Saturday, April 10th, down there at Texas Linux Fest. All right. But if nothing else, come by and get your Gnome sticker to put on your laptop. There you go. I would need three or four of them, but uh, that's okay. We, we, we can do that. Miss Stormy, thank that. you for com- thank you for coming by this evening. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Rush, you want to wrap that up? Sure, I'll do what I can. Once again, I will thank you as well, and uh, for actually paying attention to my tweets uh, to you and responding and coming onto the show. I didn't know if it would actually get a response. It actually worked this time. Most people just ignore me. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. And I have seen you at a couple of conferences, and hopefully um, whenever whenever I get to another one, I will uh, introduce myself. Uh, haven't done that yet. I tend to be on the shy side. Yeah, we're, we're both very introverted here. Yes, we are the most introverted people you ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing you and actually connecting the face I know with the name I know. <laughs> There you go. I'll be I'll be the the fat uh, the fat uh, the big the fat guy in the bad shirt with the amateur radio hat on. That'll be me. It'll be next to, <laughs> and you'll be next to the fat guy with <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so thanks thanks once again. I think this is going to be a great episode. Um, all the information was wonderful, and we definitely hope to uh, promote GNOME three. And for those of you who are using Ubuntu ten point oh four, it is available. We heard that officially, so go ahead and download the GNOME shell and try that out and see how GNOME is going to look in the future. Thank you very much, and I uh, hope you have a great evening, and uh, maybe we'll get to talk to you again. All right. Thank you, guys. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to some feedback. Let's, uh, let's get that knocked out. We may just have enough time. Let's see what we got on the plate this time. Okay. Uh, John, one of our longtime listeners, EI7IG, uh, sent one in and uh, he had it pointed at Russ and I'm not going to steal Russ's thunder. So you go ahead, Russ. All right. This is from John, EI7IG, and he wrote about the music because I said, send me an email about the music. So here's what he says. Just finished listening to issue number 33. You asked for comments on the music you included in the show. 
I think they are great. I hadn't realized they were related to the show's content in any way, but they have become, for me, an integral part of the show. On another note, I think the show is becoming a tad too long. Hmm, seems like we addressed this a little bit earlier. I tend to listen to the show when in the car, and fortunately I tend not to have to do a a trip much longer than an hour most of the time. Oddly enough, the show this evening was the exact length of my commute, so he must have been stuck in traffic or something. You want to read the part addressed to you? Oh, well, no, you can read that. Okay. He says, to Richard, bite me. No, seriously, you mentioned regarding your hosting issue. Have you considered BitTorrent? I'm sure that there is plenty of bandwidth available on listener servers all around the world. Regards, John, EI7IG. Well, we've already talked about the BitTorrent a little bit, although I didn't get the idea from this email because I completely forgot about it. I got it from someone else on IRC. But we'll give John credit, okay? And Russ responded. Oh, do you want me to read the response? What's your response? Well, I know I, re- <laughs> I know I responded, but I didn't know I was going to be reading the response. But I guess I can do that. Thanks for the email and your comments about the music. I am personally gratified to hear that yet another listener can't do without it. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't impart my self-described musical wisdom on our listeners. Just kidding. As far as the length of the program, I agree. We figured each episode should be about an hour, but things have been creeping out closer to two hours lately. I definitely plan to rein that back in immediately, if not sooner. I actually thought about cutting this current episode into two parts. That would be episode number 34. But I couldn't think of a decent way to do it. Take heart, though. Future episodes will definitely be shorter. We've already acquired different hosting, but BitTorrent is a great idea, and I will definitely implement that in the near future. I have already talked about BitTorrent, so unless we're going to read the next one of these, uh, I'm going to let Richard talk. Well, we'll just uh, do the last one this way because it's one of those where the where the previous message was split up. But uh, uh, he talks about uh, having not being one to go out and find music. He just uh, found Brad, Brad the music by Brad Sucks from uh, another podcast he listened to and. Uh, he uh, he agreed that over the last two or three episodes that we had crept out past an hour, which I will have you know, and I hope this makes a cut there. People in the chat room that just says that makes more, that's more of it to love. And <laughs> you know, John's been with us a long time, and he's a good guy. We really appreciate his input, just like we appreciate all of y'all's input. But uh, with that, you got anything else for us? I got lots more, but I don't have anything on that one. Well, do something else. Do something else. All right, well, let's bang this one off real quick. We got a donation for your noise gate from Carly. And I don't have a call sign, so I don't know if there is one, but we want to thank Carly for the generous donation to the Buy Richard a Noise Gate Fund. Yay! <laughs> no, thank you, thank you very much for that donation. We, we really, really do appreciate it. And we're getting on our way. So since you bought your wife a car... And you're completely broke now and will be for the next five and a half years, most likely. Six. Uh, six. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have a noise gate before then. I'll just have to start. I don't know. I'll figure something out. Okay. Well, you know, we've been talking about, uh, about BitTorrent and, uh, let me, let me throw this in pretty quick. I got a couple of Google alerts, uh, where the experimental BitTorrent project has been going on. And, uh, I see so far that we've been, uh, looking at, uh, a place called Demonoid and, uh, and something else. And I'm not real up on this kind of stuff. 
another place is called ISO Hunt. Well, no, that's the forums over at ISO Hunt. And, uh, and, uh, one or two places. And I'm not real up on this, but, uh, at least we're, we're getting that kind of coverage. Uh, where this ISO Hunt is concerned, this is a part of, uh, uh, something we were mentioning earlier about, uh, I believe it's K2YK. Let me get where I can see his call sign. K2YK. And, uh, uh, he put one post on his blog and they were just Google alerts busting out all over the place. So we really appreciate that and keep up the good work. So what else you got, Russ? Well, the thing about the ISO hunt and the demonoid, that's the places where I posted the torrent. But I have to say that the torrent that I posted to those places is bad. So I'm going to be pulling them down. So don't go to those places for the torrents. I will be posting the link to the torrent files on the website. Keep that in mind if you're interested in the torrents. He was stopping me from messing everybody up is what he was doing. Well, I I tried, I guess. Do you want to do the thing about uh, KE2YK? Actually, I'm sitting here looking at his blog right now. K2YK is random oscillations. Now, uh, now he went ahead and, uh, and posted a really nice article here about getting reacquainted with, with the show and, and how Richard talks like he's in Texas and, uh, how it sounds funny since he's in New York, which that's okay because people from New York sound funny to me. But it's all good. So he's a self-described Nick Systems Administrator and been one for years and years. And it's like I was saying a while ago, this one article got posted and there started go- Google alerts going off all over the place. And it was all the same, uh, po- same uh, article getting picked up from this particular blog. But I suggest you all go by there and take a look at it. There's a lot of good information on this. Uh, it's, uh, Get your pen out, Bill. KE2YK.wordpress.com. Uh, y'all go on over there and take a look. He's got a lot of good links over there for podcasts and websites and a lot of useful information over there at that blog. So uh, y'all go check it out. So what else you got, Russ? <laughs> well, I got an email from KE2YK. Did you get that? No. No, well, I'll go ahead and read this real quick, So, since we've already pimped K2YK quite a bit, but here we go. Yeah, I'm going to get all misty. <laughs> yeah, this this is the all about K2YK part of the podcast. Pimp in, pimp in the K2YK. Right. Uh, hey, guys, I just wanted to say that after all this time, I finally started listening to your podcast. As a longtime Unix Linux AIX admin and ham radio op, I have been having a blast trying out the different Linux variants and the applications you guys have gone into detail on in your awesome LHS podcasts. Let's just revel in the word awesome for a little while. We are awesome. My my boss tells me that all the time. I also noticed that you have a link to my blog in the LHS blog roll. That is much appreciated, guys, since I have found the time to listen to the podcasts. Yep, starting at number one. I was considering posting short write-ups about each podcast on my blog and providing links back to your posts, etc., of course, I'd want your approval before proceeding. Well, I'm not sure how that's different from the show notes, but if you want to write something up about the episodes, I'm not going to stop you. You are welcome to steal Bill's show notes. Just make sure you give him credit. Absolutely. There you go. Because we pay him big bucks, and, and we want to make sure credit he gets his credit where it's due. Oh, no, we want to make sure that everybody knows that Bill is rolling in it. 
and there you have it. He's he's rolled in something. <laughs> His attitudes fell off though because he's giggling. Go ahead. <laughs> I am running VMware server on my laptop and have recently loaded CrunchBang up as a VM. I was able to map the right alt key as the super key to allow me the full functionality of CrunchBang on my old IBM T40. I also recently burned and installed Shackbox Air on an HP tower in the shack after fixing up the keyboard. It's been so far so good with the apps I have had time to check out. I especially like the QSS TV app. I know you guys are not big HRD lovers, but as far as I have investigated, HRD seems to work fairly well under Shackbox Air also. Anyway, Richard talks about his rantings in some of the podcasts. Well, Richard, I am firing back with my big random oscillation here. Keep up the great work. Let me know what you think about my posting idea, which we just did. Best regards, Gary. Kilo Echo 2, Yankee Kilo. Did he say Shackbox? He said Shackbox Air, so yes, he did. Oh no! You know what I should do? I should do that. I should do like in Kill Bill, and bleep Shackbox when I when I say it. Yeah, box. Beep. It's like a dirty <laughs> word, right? <laughs> no, uh, we just quit fooling with him. He he he's on the right track. He just uh, he just needs to get it squared away. Um, we honestly haven't looked at in a while, so he might have squared it away. I don't know. I'll go. I'll try and go over and look next week or so. Uh, for those of y'all who are unaware of what's what's going on with the box, uh, uh, go back and listen to some of the back episodes. It had to do with uh, uh, messing with my people. Yeah, we don't want to mess with Richard's peeps. My my people. All right, I've got one from M zero D C M, which you don't have. So I'll go ahead and do this one. No, I don't have it. Okay, this is from uh, Dave. And it goes, Hey Russ, I've only been running Linux in the form of Ubuntu 9.10 on my Acer Aspire 1 ZA3 for a little over six weeks. And I've just created a small home file server using Ubuntu 9.10. I also run Zaster on both machines. I know it sounds a little weird, but the server is running the local APRS Digipeter, which covers 60 miles, and I have a Kenwood THD7 on the Acer Aspire 1 ZA3, which is great when I go out to either my parents or the in-laws. I've only come across your podcast since building the server, and I've downloaded every episode, and I'm currently going through them at a rate that I've almost caught up to the latest episode. I've also shared the podcast with my dad via the Tonito plugin, and he loves listening too. I converted my dad to Linux two months before I took the plunge, and it was after a friend at the local packet radio club brought his laptop in to show the members Linux running, and I was hooked. Now we're bringing Linux into the club in a big way, and I have been roped into writing the articles for our newsletter. Keep up the great work, and I'll keep downloading the podcasts and sharing them with my dad. Dave Dudley, West Midlands, United Kingdom. Well, there you go. That's the one thing you amateur radio operators probably need to remember more than anything else, is you can leave stuff running for a, a good length of time and not have to reboot your machines. That always irritated me like like nobody's business having to reboot uh, uh, XP Pro to when I was running uh, running all that Winlink Telpak crap because uh, it'd run for a day, two days, maybe two and a half days, and then something would happen, and I'd have to reboot the thing to get it going again. 
all of us were running remote desktop to be able to get in there and work on the stuff. So it was just over out of the way, hooked into the network and not taking up space. And it was just a, a, a giant pain. You can let uh, most versions of Linux run for years and years and years and not have to touch them, look at them, think about them, or anything, anything at all. Thanks a lot for uh, writing that in, Dave. And uh, since you happen to be associated with a couple of clubs over there, it seems like maybe you could push our podcast with them, too, when you show up. But thanks for letting your dad hear us, and thanks for being listeners. Thanks for downloading. And, uh, you know, tell 200 of your closest friends. That's all we ask. And if you talk to Colin or the old guy, or you talk to uh, Peter Paul uh, over there at uh, over there at hamtest.co.uk, tell them we said hello because we ain't, we don't get them in here much anymore because of the time of day, but but we we think about them all the time, every last minute of the day. Well, let me read this one uh, from Mark. KC4GIA, Kilo Charlie 4, Golf India Alpha. First off, thanks to both of you for a fun and interesting podcast. I've been using Linux for years and still love it. It's come a long way since I got into it back with Mandrake 7. I will second the favorable comment on the command line stuff. The episode with screen in it was very interesting. I need to find out more about command line apps for ham radio and general use. It makes sense when using older hardware to use the light stuff whenever possible. I particularly like NCurses-based stuff. Reminds me of the DOS days when I'd write menus using batch files. By the way, those users who hate the command line probably never used DOS either. If they did, it was probably just long enough to type win and hit enter. I date back to TRS-DOS on a TRS-80. Yeah, that goes back a ways. I remember that. I had a couple of TRS-80s myself. I did not have them. I had Commodores. Commodores? I had Commodores too, and a Timex Sinclair, but... I've digressed enough. I was surfing the other day for ham stuff and came across <laughs> websdr.org. There are a number of SDR receivers that you can log on and tune the bands with using nice waterfall displays. The page says the WebSDR server software is a Linux program, but I can't find out much about it. I thought it might be something you guys would be interested in or possibly know more about. Uh, I don't know anything about this, and I'm going to check on it. I forgot to do that before the show, but we are definitely going to look into this WebSDR.org thing, and we will bring well, it up in the next episode. I really think SDR radios is where we're going, and uh, I, well, I see a lot of things which are where we're going, and there's a lot of resistance to a lot of it, but you know what? The hams resisted AM when it came along. So we'll be checking that out. All right. What else you got, Russ? Well, I wasn't even done with that one. He jumped in. Oh, we'll, f- we'll finish it. I'm sorry. I got a big mouth on <laughs> Also, I'm wondering if there are any apps out there that can access my Zune MP3 player. I really like the player, but it's one of the few things still tying me to Windows at home. At work, I have no choice, but home should be a different matter. So apparently, oh, and he says, thanks, Mark, KC4GIA. So apparently this is one of the ones I should have researched, but I, what we'll do is we'll take both of these issues, WebSDR, and the Zune for Linux, and we will address both of those issues specifically in the next episode. Put them on the list. Yep, absolutely on the list. So hang out for that, and uh, we will get to it, Mark. So, you know, this is like the cliffhanger where you have to listen to episode 36 to get your answer. I seem to remember there was an issue with the Zune that uh, didn't make it impossible, but made it difficult. Uh, Did I doze off? Did he say which 
uh, distro he's using? He did not that I'm aware of, no. Okay, Mark, tell us what distro so we can be more specific in your search. And we were mentioned on MonsterB.org, who's a Linux crank and a Linux link tech shower and a Kernel, Ogca- Kernel Panic Ogcaster and all of those. So thanks, MonsterB, for mentioning us over there on MonsterB.org. B is always good to us. He's always good to us, and we try to be good to him. We're not always yeah. successful, but he still has a link to us. So thank you very much. And I've got one more piece of feedback, and it's an audio file. So we want to play this one up. Uh, if you got it queued, just roll that bad boy. I got it queued, and here it is. This one is from Travis, and I can't remember his call. I don't know. It's KD. He's in the chat room. It's KD5UND. Hey, Russ. Uh, this is Travis Shrum, KD5UND. Um, been enjoying the heck out of your podcast. Uh, love it to death. Uh, just uh, switched over to Shackbox and working out great for me <clears throat> and as a matter of fact uh we just had a ham fest here recently here in tulsa oklahoma well actually it was in claremore and we just got a whole mess load of new hams into the area and i was on one of the local nets and was able to promote your podcast and actually i got the url right hi hi and um uh, one of the uh, new technicians was asking, uh, since he was coming from the computer world, if anybody knew any good uh, digital modes to uh, for Linux and digital programs and whatnot. And since I was pretty new into it, I um, wasn't able to help him out a whole lot, but I did refer him to your podcast, and uh, hopefully uh, that will drum me up to a couple more listeners. So. Um, I've been enjoying it myself. Uh, let's see. I think I'm on episode. Um, looks like episode 27 is where I'm at now. I've been trying to catch up for quite a while. Uh, started off at episode one. Would really like to get caught up in one of your live sessions. So hopefully I can make some time to meet you all in the chat room. Well, with that, I'll say 73s and, uh, keep up the good work. And, uh, yeah, you definitely been doing a good job of keeping that Richard in line, that's for sure. Anyway, hopefully we'll catch you in the live uh live show there. And from Tulsa, Oklahoma, this is Travis, K D five U N D. And there you have it. Thank you very much, Travis, for calling into one of our numbers and leaving us an audio comment. I really appreciate that. I've been sort of distressed that people won't call into the numbers. We're all hams, after all, and we all don't, well, most of us don't have mic fright. So I don't get why we don't get a lot more calls, but I really appreciate that one. Us digital guys, we don't like microphones. You you do analog, too. I hear that radio in the background sometimes. Well, every once in a while. Or the D-Star radio. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Travis, uh, I'm, I'm going to answer you. I answer you for the podcast, but I know you in the chat room. Uh, don't worry about the quality. Uh, in fact, everybody, don't worry about the quality. Y'all call in. You leave your voicemails. Uh, we'll play them on the show. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Uh, Linux, Hamshack. Linux, Hamshack. They go together like, 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 I don't know. Uh, greens and, and squirrel meat. I don't know. Peanut butter and parsley. 
there you have it or something peanut butter and fried nanners something <laughs> but tell you tell everybody tell your family sneak a copy of ubuntu on your wife's computer something just tell the world tell the world let's evangelize we're gonna we're gonna spread the good news of linux and amateur radio and for the you linux guys who aren't hams yet we're coming for you and same thing for you amateur radio guys that are still using that operating system that we try not to give any press I think I've lost it. I know you've lost it. It was back in episode six. Ah, was that when I turned Japanese? I don't remember. Ah, anyway, uh, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we've done everything we can do this particular evening, done all the damage we can possibly do. If you want to get a hold of me, uh, my name is Richard KB5JBV. Uh, for the time being, you can send me email to KB5JBV at BlackSparrowMedia.com. KB5JBV at BlackSparrowMedia.com. Or alternately, you can send me uh, emails at KB5JBV at gmail.com. KB5JBV at gmail.com. Or follow me on the social networks. I see everything y'all send me. I read everything y'all send me. I just sometimes don't have time to respond. But we're going to talk about it on that. We're going to talk about it on the podcast. If we can, when we can, where we can. Just look for KB5JBV. All right, Russ. Uh, what else you got? Well, I'm going to do the last bit of wrapping up, and then you're going to close the show. You can email me and Richard at info at lhspodcast.info. That's probably the best email to use at this point. Make sure to leave a comment on the website. Call our numbers. The toll-free hotline is 888-455-0305. Or if you can't call toll-free numbers, use plus one, 417-429-4069. Give us a call just like Travis did, and we will play your content on the air, unless you tell us not to. Don't forget about our logo contest, which could earn you $100 if we like your logo the best. And don't forget about our $25 contest for intros to the program. You can find information about that on the website. The website can be accessed at lhsinfo.org or the new address, lhspodcast.info. Everything should be there. If you have questions, make sure to send email to that info address. And stay tuned to the website for updates on our move from the old provider to the new provider. And stay tuned. Don't worry about the broken RSS feeds. We're working on it. So I guess that's all for me from up here in the pine forest between the peaks of north central Arkansas. This is Russ, K5TUX. And I'm going to go out and lay down in the new mini, the new Dodge Mini van. And we'll see y'all next time. This is KB5JBV in Bald Springs, Texas. Good night, everybody. <laughs>